Welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body podcast. I'm going to be doing a solo podcast today, and I've got my Instagram live audience here as well. Great to be speaking to two audiences at the same time once again. For everyone who's been listening to my podcast, obviously, we've just had some incredible guests on. Anthony Chafee, Dr. Anthony Chafee on the last episode, getting some incredible feedback from that. So if you haven't listened to that, go listen to it. And... Yes, I'm, as usual, going to get stuck straight in. But I wanted to say to my podcast audience, um, make sure, because a lot of you, I know you listen, but you haven't subscribed to the podcast. So you're going to miss out on a lot of the content. We drop an amazing podcast episode every week. So please, if you can pause this, if you're listening on Spotify right now, which is most of you, please go follow me. Simply follow me on Spotify. Pause, press follow, right? And then you're going to get updates and you're not going to miss anything. And it's going to help this podcast reach more people as well and get some of this incredible content out there because there's so many podcasts out there nowadays, ladies and gents. You know, we want to make sure that we're getting this. Uh, this li- This could be life-changing. It's already changed lots of lives, this podcast. So let's change as many lives as we can. So go do that. If you're listening on uh, iTunes, then click the subscribe button because you will get updated on the uh, iTunes podcast app as well or any platform you're listening on. Uh, also, if you ever want to watch the videos, all of this in video format is put onto my YouTube channel. All the interviews I've done. So Martin Silver Fitness is my YouTube channel. But all of these links are in the show notes anyway for everyone listening back to the podcast, right? So anyway, let's get stuck in. And I'm gonna, I've am gonna i picked five questions from the audience today, a Q&A. Um, three of them are from my Instagram and two of them are from people who've emailed in uh, from the podcast audience who, who have emailed me kindly and asked me really, really good questions. Um, I tried to get around to all of these, but obviously it's, it's impossible to get around to all of them. So I have to pick the ones which I think are going to be the most valuable and relevant for the audience. So I'm going to start with some personal stuff, right? The first question I got asked is to do with steroids, right? Now, I think this is going to be valuable for people because, you know, not that you're taking steroids. I know most people listening to this are likely not taking steroids, which is a good thing. Um, but this is going to give you more of an insight into me and how I've got to where I'm at with my physique, my health, my habits. And ultimately, I'm 35 years old, right? And I feel like I'm in the shape of my life now, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, but the question was, because I put a post on my Instagram the other day, and it was just like, I basically started um, uh, TikTok now as well, right? So uh, again, go. The, I'll, put the, I'll put my TikTok in the show notes as well, because everyone uses TikTok nowadays. Go check me out on there as well. Um, but yeah, I put a post up there and it's, it's crazy how much negativity you get on TikTok. I mean, it doesn't get to me. I'm thick skinned. I find it really amusing. Um, but you get like lots of kids on there and stuff. And it's, it's like literally about 80% negative comments, which is really interesting, right? But it's funny. It's entertaining. And, um, some of the stuff I post shirtless, you know, the videos as you do, and as you do a lot of people, you know, steroids, all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, so I put a post out and I had a lot of comments on there. And long story short, the question someone asked after I put the post out with a comment from TikTok saying, oh, what was it? Something about, you know, taking, what was it? The the, the comment was something like, you know, um, do you, I said, it was quite funny, actually. It was like, do you get snappy? Um, do you get mood swings with all the juice you take <laughs> or something like that? And how do you manage those mood swings from all the gear that you take or something like that? Um, but someone asked me then on the off the back of that post, I was convinced you were on steroids but I believed you when you said that you don't take them. Surely you took them for competing though. And the answer is no, I never actually took any anabolic steroids or anything, even when I was competing as a bodybuilder. 
And when I competed as a bodybuilder, I actually competed in non-tested federations, which means in the fitness model category, for example, with the WBFF comp that I did, the comps that I did, and I got to the pro level doing that. When I did my first pro show in Toronto in 2016, the World Championships, um, I would say about 80% of the guys were taking gear. And I wasn't. I still got in the top 10 in the world. There was like 40 people in my category. I was still placed within the top 10 uh, in the whole world, natural, right? And I'm just going to be honest, though, full transparency. I've been tempted many a times to take steroids, right? I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. Uh, you know, competing at a high level, I'm extremely competitive as well, very competitive. And if I'd have taken steroids or some form of anabolics, would I have probably placed in the top three or at least the top five or at a minimum? Likely, yeah, because it would have taken me up to that next level, would have added like an extra probably five to 10% on top of, you know, my aesthetics or my physique in terms of muscle gain, fullness, and all those uh, little details which really come into play when you're competing against some of the best athletes in the world. And most of them obviously taking steroids. That being said, though, the, the guy who came first was actually natural. Um, he's an absolute freak, genetic freak, and an absolute workhorse as well, though, obviously in the gym, um, a black dude. Shout out to Williams Fallade, absolutely insane. Um, but other than that, most people are on gear. And where I'm going with this is I was very tempted, but I didn't do it because, and this is for anyone listening, because there might be a lot of people with kids, young kids, lads, you know, boys with boys who are growing up into their teenage years. And nowadays, more and more people are taking, more people are taking steroids and growth hormone and all those kind of things than any other time before. Um, and if you're a guy who's, who's taking steroids or is thinking about taking them, I think this will be useful for you. The reason I didn't is because I saw what it did to the people that did take it. And ultimately, what I saw was once someone had taken it once, it wasn't just a one-time thing. They would always use it as a shortcut. And then it would be a placebo thing as well then, right? Or not placebo, but it'd be a psychological thing. Like, you know, I've got a holiday coming up. I want to get that extra edge on my physique, so I'm just going to take some steroids. And the problem with taking steroids is, you know, can you do it in a way where it's, you know, quite healthy? I would argue not healthy. Healthy is the wrong word. You could do it in the way where you mitigate damage if you do it in a smart way, I guess. I saw people, those people who took it and they took it, uh, they took good quality stuff. They took the right dose. You know, they cycled themselves off it properly. But a lot of people don't do that. And even when you do do that, the thing is you're kind of playing with fire because what you're doing is you're giving yourself exogenous testosterone, right? So what that means is your body's ability to naturally produce testosterone then actually downregulates. So naturally your body is going to uh, produce less testosterone when you're pumping it in from an external source, of course, because the body adapts to that like it adapts to anything. So I didn't want to play with fire. And I'm so glad I didn't because like I said, I'm 35 going on 36. Physically, I look better than I ever did. Uh, and mentally, emotionally, you know, my, my career in terms of my business, you know, financially, everything, I'm literally at my peak right now. Uh, and I think if I had taken a bunch of a bunch of steroids, I know what would have happened. I would have taken it for a show. Then I would have ended up taking it then, like, you know, probably outside of bodybuilding just to kind of know me anyway, potentially anyway, I might have, or I might have damaged my hormones and not recover from it. Uh, so I'm really, really thankful that I didn't. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of answer to that. So no, I've never taken steroids, even when I competed. Uh, yes, I've got really good genetics. However, you know, I'm an absolute beast when it comes to my work ethic. I'm not going to take that away from myself. And what you got to look at is with uh, physique, you know, like I said before, genetics will load the gun, but hard work, dedication, consistency, all those things will actually pull the trigger in terms of you 
you know, having that physique, being that guy. Um, so to be honest, it feels really good to, to be that guy. I'm not going to lie. When I go to the beach here in Bondi and I turn some heads, okay, it feels phenomenal. I'm not going to lie to you. It feels incredible to be pretty much shredded all year round, super healthy, and to be the guy who is pretty much in the best shape wherever he goes, pretty much. I know I sound big-headed, but it's just the way it is. And that's from uh, two decades of lifting and all the stuff I always talk about with my lifestyle and nutrition. They're the two big ones that have got me to this point over the last, say, you know, five years. It's it's actually training less, to be honest, uh, and training with less intensity and letting my body recover better. And I, I've realized I can't train as much now anyway as I'm getting older where I've realized my body doesn't recover as much. So I have to scale it back a little bit with my training on top of everything I do outside of the gym with work and everything else. Um, but it's also just the nutrition. I've dialed that in. Um, anyway, we'll get stuck into all that transitions into the next question. The next question was again, another negative comment, which, uh, I had recently in my DMS and someone messaged me saying, um, you're irresponsible, uh, to share. What was it? I think you're irresponsible sharing stuff about the carnivore diet. You should do your research and look into the evidence before you do this or something like that. Anyway. Uh, again, I, I'm not getting my feelings about this. I never get emotional. Uh, I find it interesting. And a lot of times I feel sorry for the people who have time to hate. I don't mind a good debate. And I wouldn't mind if it was from someone who's qualified or someone who's well-versed in the field. But obviously it never is. It's always essentially like, I don't want to say the word, but it's normally a loser, right? That's just the way it goes. <laughs> a loser, a hater, someone who's got too much time on their hands, right? Um, but I actually feel sorry for these people because... A lot of the times they're just hurting on the inside, right? And they they project this, these things onto other people. Anyway, so are my irresponsible? So I wanted to kind of put this into a question: Are my irresponsible for sharing stuff about the carnivore diet, right? Uh, and the research. I want to jump into this as well because I learned a lot from. You can probably see the book behind me if you're watching the live or watching this back on YouTube. Uh, the Carnivore Code is right behind me there uh, by Dr. Paul Saladino. Fantastic book. And that was the kind of tipping point for me, which made me switch over to the animal-based diet. You know, I'm not stupid. I don't just jump into things without doing my research. Of course, I'm a critical thinker and I'm very careful when it comes to my health. So I read into it and I thought, you know what? I need to fix my digestion issues and my gut health and whatnot, uh, getting these skin issues. You know, I, I've looked into the research and yes, plants, certain plants are, can be really toxic and contain uh, defense chemicals. So anyway, read the book, looked into the research. And a lot of the research has been essentially hidden from us, um, especially research in more of the Eastern world, like in China and Asian countries, for example, right? Now, when it comes to the research, we look at, um, let's just, I'm not going to go too much down this rabbit hole because Dr. Anthony Chafee covered all of this in the last episode, so I don't want to go deep into it. Uh, but long story short, if you look at people in China, for example, they eat loads of meat and trust me, it's not grass-fed a lot of the time, just not necessarily good quality meat. There's a lot of poverty in China as well, right? But they eat tons of meat, right? Tons of meat. I think pretty much more than most other countries in the world. And they have a re especially in Hong Kong, I think, they have a really, really high rate of longevity and a low rate of obesity in comparison to westernized countries. Although, because again, westernized processed foods is actually now uh, flooding these countries, it's actually getting worse and worse in those countries now in terms of chronic illness and obesity and stuff, but they still have a, a way lower rate and they have longer uh, longevity. And they, we never get, we never get, it's been hidden from us, right? All we hear is the correlation between people eating more, uh, more meat and more eggs and those kind of things 
uh, and heart disease and stomach cancer and all those kind of things. Again, I'm not going to go into that because that's already been debunked. It's proven in loads and loads of research now. Go check it. If you listen to the previous episode with Dr. Anthony Chafee, if you haven't, right? And go check out his YouTube and, and check out, like, if there's anything you want to go deeper on with this in terms of, like, meat causing heart disease and all that bullshit, essentially, um, just type in Anthony Chafee meat heart disease or Anthony Chafee cholesterol. He's got videos on all this. And what he does is he actually put links for the studies beneath his YouTube videos. So go check that out if you want to read in between the lines. Um, so yeah, that's bullshit. And what you're going to look at as well is it's actually the opposite in a lot of cases. And another thing I wanted to debunk today is I got asked this the other day is what about the blue zones? And I, full transparency, if anyone listens back, right? This is the funny thing, right? I'm always open to, I'm changing. If I'm not reinventing and changing and evolving as a person, then what the hell am I doing? Like, you know, some people say, I had people say to me in the past, you know, people who have outgrown or, you know, or, or behind my back, oh, my mind has changed. Thank God I've changed. I don't want to be the same person I was. I want to be leveling up. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't want to stay the same. So if you hear some of the first episodes of the podcast, I actually used to quote back saying, you know, the blue zones, there's five blue zones in the area. And just for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's the highest, I think it's like, I think it's the, the um, amount of people that live to 100 or longer than that, I think it is. The amount of people that is, is like the highest rate of longevity, essentially, in terms of people living the longest. And I used to believe in the in the research with um, people eating plant-based, the people who eat plants essentially live longer. Um, but there's also, also loads of other factors as well in terms of moving more uh, community, obviously, uh, the specific foods they're eating, uh, not being fat, essentially, which is the worst thing uh, for, for any health ailments, literally cancer, heart disease, all those things. Being overweight is the worst thing, essentially. Um, arguably even worse than smoking. I'm not going to recommend people go and smoke fags and get lean. But again, with those cigarettes, we call them fags in the UK. Uh, cigarettes, because if you look at places like Italy and stuff, you know they smoke a lot um, and they don't have a high obesity rate in comparison, although they are catching up and they have longer rates of uh, longevity, right? So I would probably argue, and this is just my opinion, by the way, don't take this. I would probably argue it's probably healthier to smoke and be lean than it is to be fat and not smoke. Um, although, you know, from what you see in research, but anyway, I don't want to go too much down that rabbit hole. Let's get back to the green zones. I'm going on a bit of a rant today. Back to the green zone. So there's a place called Lomo Linda. I know a lot of this uh, audience that are listening back to this are in California. So probably, you know, this, uh, I think it's called Lomo Linda uh, in California. That's allegedly one of the, the blue zones. Then you've got Sardinia in Italy. You've got a place in Costa Rica, You've got Okinawa, I think it is, Japan. And then you've got a place in Greece as well. They're the five blue zones where people live the longest or live beyond a high amount of people live beyond the age of 100, I believe. And what they always say is, oh, that's because of the plant-based diet. They eat mainly plant-based. I'm going to debunk that. It's bullshit. It's actually a myth. And what they actually found was there was only one of those blue zones. Actually, it was Lomo Linda in California where they don't eat a lot of meat. And it's actually true that they don't eat meat. Uh, and what they found was uh, they did a bit, they did a study and they found that had they had really poor, uh, a low sperm count and really low levels of uh, fertility in men, especially. So it wasn't necessarily a good thing. Obviously, them not eating much meat, but in all four of the other blue zones, they actually eat a shitload of meat. So it's a load of bullshit. Like Sardinia, I've been to Sardinia in Italy. Uh, it's an incredible place. And everything on the menu is meat. <laughs> it's a load of bullshit. I ate rabbits, I ate all types of meat that I've never eaten before when I was in Sardinia. Um, and one of their main dishes is, um, it's uh, it's some type of ham or whatever, one of their main dishes. Uh, Costa Rica, they've got another special dish, dish, which I think might be 
goat it's like goat cheese and goat products and stuff i think in costa rica okinawa like all their main dishes are meat based they eat lots of meat in those blue zones so it's actually a load of bullshit that they're plant-based in the blue zones so that's to answer that question anyway am i responsible about sharing stuff uh i mean to be honest metabolic health's number one thing if you look at the shape i'm in and how healthy i am and the fact that I'm absolutely thriving, I think that's one thing you might want to take on board without sounding big-headed. Like if someone is super healthy, super lean, uh, they're thriving and they're eating a, an animal-based diet, perhaps if you're not thriving and you're overweight, which just going to be straight up, I'm not trying to uh, look down on anyone. Uh, when I look at these people's profile, you know, they're not healthy people. These people who kind of try and tell me, you know, I'm, I'm giving out bad information. I think that's one thing you want to look at, but that's not everything because there's a lot of people out there who are lean and are just bullshitting people. So you've got to also be careful with that. Uh, but you have got to look at the research we've got and the research points to the fact that actually uh, eating meat is a really good thing generally, but the quality of the meat matters. And the most important thing, if you strip everything else away, go back two episodes again on the podcast, listen to Dr. Philip Ovalia uh, talking about metabolic health. Um, and that's the most important thing. So if you're lean, if you carry an excess body fat, for example, around your midsection, especially that visceral fat around your organs is extremely dangerous uh, and not good for your health. Um, so that metabolic health is number one. And guess what? When you're eating a lot of protein, you're eating a lot of animal-based products, you're getting all the nutrients you need anyway out of red meats, all the essential nutrients out of just beef alone. Um, not to say I just eat beef, obviously I eat other stuff as well. Uh, and when you eat high protein, it's very hard to overeat. Plus it speeds your metabolism up. Uh, it's impossible for me to overeat. I'm really, really lean and I'm absolutely thriving. So like I said, I'm in my prime right now and I'm eating animal-based and um, it's working. So anyway, that's to answer that question. So the next three questions I've got now, are more fat loss based and I think more valuable in terms of what you can take away to get in shape and stuff. Have a sip of my water, excuse me. So third question, I have a holiday in 12 weeks time and I want to drop 15 to 20 pounds so I feel confident on the beach. Should I incorporate cardio to shred the fat? I think this is a good question. And we talk about all this all the time. And obviously, Dr. Philip Ovadia, the actual episode was titled uh, Cardio Sucks for Fat Loss. Um, so let's just go into, I want to give you some tips on this because I think people listening back uh, most people listening back are in the US anyway, so summer's coming, but a big chunk of the audience are in Australia as well. It's going to be handy either way. So holiday in 12 weeks' time. Let me give you an example, right? This is a good example because my program, my initial program, for example, is 90 days, so I can use some examples here. Now, basically, you want to drop 15 to 20 pounds. So first thing I'd have you look at, obviously, I haven't got enough information on this specific individual, but the likelihood is, you know, nine out of 10 times, I'd say 10 out of 10 times, to be honest, this person has lost weight before and gained it back because that's just most people. Um, so the likelihood is you've lost this weight before and you've gained it back. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be trying to lose the weight if you'd already lost it and you were happy. So what you're going to look at first is, do you want to lose weight on the scales or do you want to drop a bunch of body fat and really kind of tone and tighten your body? And notice your clothes, for example, fitting into your clothes or at least dropping, you know, this is a female who reached out, uh, dropping, you know, let's say one to two dress sizes over the next 12 weeks um, and really using that as a benchmark as opposed to the weight, right? So what I would say first and foremost is pretty much 
use the weights. As long as you don't have like major issues with weighing skills, use the body weights. It's good to weigh yourself because it's a form of self-monitoring and it keeps you accountable. Um, but don't get caught up on that number. It really depends on where you're at. Uh, but most of the time, the majority of clients that sign up with me, like I've said before, over a 12-week period, that's when they get the best results at the start of the program because obviously their body responds better right at the start because it's like novelty. And what happens is most of the time is their weight might drop a few pounds, sometimes even go up one or two pounds or stay roughly the same, right? And what will happen is they'll uh, drop a significant amount of body fat. They'll notice their clothes. They'll be like, for example, it depends on where you're at. They could be beach ready within that 90 days. It depends where their starting point is though and where they're starting from. Uh, but they could be beach ready within 90 days um, simply but, and, and not lose any weight, right? But completely drop, let's say over that period, you know, drop. Because if you look at like a lovely little exchange, right? So if you're looking to get or go on holiday in 12 weeks time, if you do it the right way, and I'm going to give you some tips on this now, you should get a lovely little exchange of, you know, building a bit of muscle and losing a bit of fat each month. Right. If you're saying you've got 15 to 20 pounds to lose, then you will be able to most likely build muscle and drop body fat. It depends how much of a reservoir of fat you've got to lose though, right? But that's what would happen for the most part if you do it right. Right. So you could drop, say, uh, a pound or two of fat, build a pound or two of muscle. Let's just say give or take. It's not going to be spot on that each month. And then by the time you go on your holiday in 12 weeks' time, let's just say, for argument's sake, you've gained four pounds of muscle and dropped six pounds of fat, right? That is night and day difference. That is like a dress size, for example, minimum, right? You've just dropped, okay? Or, or for guys, you know, one or two sizes with the jeans you're wearing, right? Around your waist. Uh, and that's night and day difference, right? And how do we do that? So the answer to incorporate cardio into the shred is, I would say no. However, what you could do, which is what I've done with like a handful of clients, is very rarely this happens. If, you know, they really want to ramp things up two, three weeks before their holiday, for example, uh, we'll say, right, we can throw in cardio as <clears throat> as a tool. Like literally, let's just say three weeks before you go away. If you're not where you need to be, which you should be, if you follow the tips I'm going to give you next, then you could throw in a little bit of cardio as a tool and perhaps throw in some, I wouldn't say high intensity cardio. I would keep the intensity for weight training. And what I would say is just do some steady state cardio. So you could just do like more, more walking. You could even use that as cardio, just do an extra you know, 30 minute walk or an, or 20 to 30 minutes on the bike, say three times per week or an extra 30 minute walk three or four times a week um, just before your holiday. And then you can basically drop a bit of body fat then and, and, and ramp things up then in terms of the fat loss just before you go away. But you shouldn't need to do that. What you want to do is, again, it depends on where you're at. One, if you've got your holiday in 90 days time, um, like I would have my client really focus on the top end amount of protein. And again, I meet my clients where they're at. So it depends on how much protein they're having at the start of the program. I'm not going to set unrealistic goals. But in an ideal world, if you're listening back to this, you want to be hitting, I would say, um, you know, at least two, uh, a gram of protein per pound of your body weight. So if you're weighing 150 pounds, 150 grams of protein minimum, I would aim to hit every single day over the next 12 weeks minimum, right? And if you're not tracking, track that as well. So at a, even if you don't, I would say to track all of your calories, hundred percent, you know, use my fitness pal app, for example, track all of your calories. Cause you're going to eat less just by doing that. So if you're just going to, if you're going to go away and you're just going to guess in terms of nutrition, good luck with that. It's not going to happen. If you're going to go on a holiday and you want to dial things in. Um, and like I say, make sure you're hitting that amount of protein, uh, using my fitness pal app, like one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Or if you're in Australia or the UK, that would be, you know, 2.2 grams of protein per kilo of your body weight. All right. 
Um, so just do that and be consistent with that. And that's going to get your results, period, because it's going to speed your metabolism up. And also you're going to, you're not going to eat as much and you're going to get more energy and everything else from eating more meat and eggs. Going back to my previous point, next thing then I would focus on is just moving plenty, right? So the three big rocks are always going to be, obviously sleep is a non that's That goes without saying, getting good sleep, but training, nutrition, and movement, those three things need to be on point at least 85 to 90% of the time, I would say, if you really want to dial things in. So training, make sure you train them properly and appropriately. Uh, and you're getting at least, you know, three, I would say three strength sessions in in the gym a week, uh, a minimum, depends on how much stress you've got coming in and how much you can actually recover from, or at least three purposeful weight training sessions a week. If you're going to do two or three sessions, make sure it's full body strength training sessions uh, minimum. And then what you can do towards the end before you go away or before you want to tighten things up is you could ramp up your strength training rather than increase the intensity with uh, cardio, just do steady state cardio, like I said, and maybe add in one more strength session a week just to ramp things up and get a response. You don't want to throw the kitchen sink in straight away, see? You want to leave room to add in more. And then um, with your, what was the other one? Then movement. You want to make, make sure you just move in plenty. Um, so, you know, perhaps even now at the start of this 12 weeks, you want to say, you know, if you're doing 10,000 steps a day, just just basically keep that. The, I wouldn't try and change too much. You know, if you're doing 10K steps a day now, then perhaps what you could do is try and push yourself to do, uh, 12k steps a day and don't change anything else don't change nothing else just make sure you're hitting protein and do an extra 2k steps a day bang so you're averaging like 12,000 steps a day over the space of a week and do that for a month and be consistent with that and then again you know you should, you'll you'll lose some body fat right simple as that um i don't want to go too deep into the weeds of nutrition because they're so different from every person but they're the fundamentals i would focus on anyway um <clears throat> but i can give you an example of uh, a recent client that i've had as well uh, who had incredible results over that. There's millions, not millions, but there's like, so I could just go down a whole list. Um, there was a recent client I had and within the 90 days, she basically dropped, uh, what was it? We, we tracked it and she lost seven pounds of fat. That's not, that's not weight on the scales. And she actually built 4.5 pounds of muscle within that time. So her weight actually came down by about two pounds on the scales but she completely transformed her body and dropped two, two dress sizes um, and essentially like insane transformation and got, by the way, she hit PBs in the gym within, this is a new client. This is a, someone I haven't talked about before. This is not Carissa. I know I had Carissa on a previous podcast. None of the clients I've talked about before. I'm not going to mention her name just in case I haven't actually asked her, just in case I get paranoid about that. Uh, but yeah, she did that and she got like PBs in the gym right? Within the first four weeks of training, literally hit PBs with her strength. And uh, not to mention she's got two kids. Okay. And she's busy. She actually works 30 hours a week on top of having two kids. And she achieved that. And she actually felt confident for the first time ever on the beach in a bikini. And granted, like 90 days is not a great amount of time, 12 weeks when you look at the grand scheme of things. So we're going to continue to go to new heights and strength to strength. And we're going to get her literally feeling like proud and on top form with a bikini on the beach. But the fact that she would never be seen on a beach in a bikini ever before, and she'll now be on the beach, you know, wearing a bikini, not self-conscious, feeling happy and proud. Um, and that's what she kind of achieved within a 90-day period. But like I say, the weight only went down two pounds on the scale. So you've got to be very careful with that. <clears throat> and Dr. Philip Ovadio actually said this as well. Actually losing weight for the most part is a bad thing, Right ladies and gents, you've probably dropped a lot of weight if listening back to this on the scales and gained it back several times in your lifetime. And metabolism doesn't work like that. 
to get your metabolism healthy, right? And to develop your metabolism. So it burns more calories by itself, your body. You need to focus on getting stronger and building muscle and implementing those habits that I just talked about. Movement, nutrition, that's the number one. I'm not going to go into behaviors and all that kind of stuff because we'll be here all day and, you know, because everyone's different in terms of what they need to do with nutrition and eating habits and how you structure that in terms of, you know, because that's a big one, right? Meal prep and having the right structure and everything else. Uh, but they're the things you need to focus on. You need to focus on metabolic health. And to do that, like with this specific client, um, by getting stronger and adding muscle to her body, her body was then burning more calories by itself automatically, right? So she, so we actually increased her calories. That's what we did as well. Just so you know as well, over that 90-day period, what we did is we started her off on, she was only on like 1,600 calories at the start. And by the end of that, this is, this is sound crazy to you. By the end of that 90 days, that 12 weeks, we had her on 2,000 calories, okay? So she didn't create, this is really important. I don't know why I skipped this part. So essentially we reverse dieted her up, right? Like I do with most clients. And she actually lost, like I said, what was it? Uh, seven pounds. I think it was seven or six pounds, seven pounds of fat and gained 4.5 pounds of muscle, right? And she actually um, uh, was eating 400 calories more a day by the end of the 12 weeks, right? How amazing is that? But obviously the food quality improved. She was eating more protein and et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, hope that was helpful. Going on to the next question um, is essentially I, sorry, something just happened on my computer then put me off. Um, number four, uh, the last but one question is, um, no, I don't want my, just turn in do not disturb on. I don't want that turned on on my phone. Yeah, turned off. Thank you. Uh, my phone's doing crazy shit as well. So number four, basically I always seem to, the question is I always seem to overeat and sometimes drink too much, drink too much alcohol on the weekends. I can't break the cycle. Any tips? So this is a common thing as well. I'm not going to go too deep into this rabbit hole again. I've talked about this many a times, self-sabotage. I talked about this on a previous episode, um, but some fresh tips came to mind and I want to just communicate it in a different way, right? The first thing that comes to mind is, this, this, this is not on any particular order, but mindful eating, right? Versus mindless. A lot of the times on the weekend is what we do and what I used to do is I would sit in front of the TV, smash a large Domino's pizza and a tub of Ben and Jerry's and Domino's cookies as well, right? At my worst with my kind of binge eating or whatever, right? And when you're eating, firstly, eating in front of the TV, you know, for example, when we go to the cinema, what do we do? We, we want to get popcorn or sweets and stuff like that, right? It's a natural thing. We associate the cinema and entertainment in front of the TV with food. And it's been proven in lots of big studies with lots of people that eating in front of the TV, uh, you're going to overeat essentially most of the time. It's mindless. Um, and the same goes then if you're eating your meal. And this is what most people do. I see this all the time. People are eating their food and they're slouched over on their phone, like watching a YouTube video or scrolling through social media whilst just like chomping their food down, right? Uh, completely mindless, right? And, you know, you're fighting a losing battle when you're doing that because you're not aware at all of what's going on. You're just stuffing food in your mouth, like, you know, inhaling your food. And there's nothing mindless, mindful about that, right? And you, you're much more likely to overeat. So on the weekends, when you, like, how about this, right? Just in general. If you can do this one thing, it'll be an absolute game changer, right? When you eat your meals, sit down and eat your meal on the table with a knife and fork, right? Like a practice. Okay, make it a practice. Don't look at your phone. Don't. I know sometimes you might be in work and you might have to eat whilst you work. I get that. I know not everyone has the luxury to do this. But on the weekends, for example, right? Sit down at the table and eat your food 
listen to a podcast or listen to an audiobook, whatever. That's what I always do. I always listen to a podcast, but I never look at my phone when I'm eating. And I am way more mindful then. So I'm more focused on chewing my food. Although I still eat way too fast, by the way. More focused on chewing my food. I'm not distracted. And it's just a really good practice to have in terms of mindfulness with eating, right? Um, it's just not going to be good for overeating and just for being aware of just like chewing your food and stuff. Chewing your food is a huge part of the digestion process as well. Like we actually release enzymes in our saliva, which actually help us break the food down, believe it or not. So if you can just change that one thing, that'll be an absolute game changer. The next thing then is um, anything else on mindful versus mindless eating. Also, when you're snacking away, as well, you know, when you're like prepping your food or cooking your food and you're just snacking, that's another thing as well. Snacks, right? Like, trust me, if you were to track, if you're not tracking your food and you were to track all the snacks that you have, like in between or when you're doing a boring word, uh, work task, tedious task at work or when you're cooking your food, excuse me, and you're snacking away and stuff and food in your house, in your house, in your mouth, um, if you were to calculate all those, and I've done this with clients many a times, when they actually start tracking these snacks, nuts is a big one, right? People have like a little, you know, like a handful of nuts, 400 calories, thank you very much, or 300 calories. Do that every day. Let's say if it's 300, even if it's 200 calories, right? Do that every day for a week. That's an extra 1,200, 1,400 calories over the space of a week, right? That's a lot of extra calories that you're not even aware of, right? Which is the difference between losing fat and not losing fat. Right, so being mindful about those snacks and perhaps just tracking your food to see what that calculates at, uh, and just stopping snacking. Right, if you if you find yourself snacking, one, it's emotional; it's not true hunger. You're just doing it purely based on emotions. Two, you're probably not having complete meals. If you're having complete meals, which are keeping you satiated and giving you enough protein, enough fat, and enough minerals, you are not going to need to snack. Another big one is having water. If you stay hydrated right? You're not going to need the snack. The other one is having enough salt, adding plenty of salt to your meals or having electrolytes in the morning with your water when you wake up, you know? Um, simple things like that go a long way, all right? So mindful eating is number one. Second is being around the right people. We all know this, but not many of us do it. We all know we're an average of the people we spend, uh, the five people we spend the most time with. But why do none of us fucking really take that serious enough? Right, we all know it, but we keep falling into these habits of hanging around with people who are just essentially no good for us, right? And bring the worst out of us. So, alcohol, for example, if you're going out into those environments, um, it's like I always say this, but this was actually from Atomic Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's much easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist it. <clears throat> so, if you're going out into those environments of people who are drinking, let's say, for example, good luck not drinking. I mean, even I struggle with that. If I go out with certain people who are drinking. I like to have a few drinks, although I'm not drinking at all right now. I just have a few here and there, as you all know my experience with that. If I go out with those people, I still might get a little bit of temptation. You know what I'm saying? And I'd rather not bother. I still can do it. Like I still will. There's a like one of my best mates likes a few drinks, but he can manage it. He doesn't, you know, he, he's, he's fine. He's successful and everything else. Um, but if I go out with him now, for example, I'm in the zone. I don't want to drink, so I won't even be tempted. But there are times where I might fancy a few drinks, so I just won't go into those environments. I'll change the environment. Let's just go and grab some food instead. Instead of going to a bar, for example, where you know where you're in that environment, you're in the lion's den. But yeah, find better people to hang around with. Start up new hobbies, right? Um, which you know maybe get you around other people and stuff. Better people, more like-minded people who want to really improve their health and stuff, and not be caught up with bad habits and self-sabotage. You know, um, entering communities. There's those of online communities that you can get involved with. 
Um, that's why our our uh, community with my clients at Optimize Your Body is so powerful because people are constantly inspiring each other. Everyone's like-minded. Um, people are learning from each other. People are sharing their wins, their struggles, uh, inspiring people with their transformations and making you realize, actually, you know, I can do this. i got the self-belief to do it. I'm finally around people who are not perfect. You still may enjoy a few drinks here and there. You still like to eat some of their favorite foods and everything else and flexible with what they do, but they're still getting results. Wow, I can do this, right? Simple stuff like that. But essentially, when you're in that cycle, I used to, and by the way, I'm not judging here because I used to, this used to be me. When you're going overboard on the weekends, whether that be with food, alcohol, or both of the above, what you're doing is you're filling a void in your life. Deny it or not, right? Oh, I like to have fun. I've got to enjoy myself. Cool. I'm all for that. But if you're constantly like I used to be, taking joy out of essentially self sabotage and excessive drinking, right? Take, if that's your meaning of joy and fun, you're setting yourself up for failure, right? You're filling a void in your life, whether you like to hear this or not, you're filling a void in your life. You're not happy with something internally and you're escaping your problems by overeating or, or drinking too much. I've said this before, your relationship with alcohol and your relationship with food says more about your relationship with yourself than it does anything else, right? So ask yourself that question. What void am I filling in my life? What am I not happy with in my life? that I'm escaping when I get to the weekends or I'm escaping in general with these poor habits, right? Uh, is it boredom? Is it loneliness? Is it the fact that I hate my work, right? That's a big one, right? I hate what I do for a living. I'm stressed. I hate it. I'm overwhelmed. You know, I'm, I'm bored and I hate what I do. You know, maybe I'm around, to around toxic people in work. So then you escape that on the weekends. You, you know, you're trying to chase that feeling that you get from numbing your problems with alcohol or food or whatever, um, and it's that vicious cycle. So is it deeper than that? Does something need to change in your life, right? Because if nothing changes, nothing changes, my friend. It does go deeper with these things, but there's some absolute nuggets there for you to take away, right? Finally, the last question anyway, right? Before I wrap this podcast up is I've tried two online coaches before and cut countless amounts of fitness and nutrition plans, but nothing has worked for me long-term. Um, do you have any advice in what I should look for when I look for a coach or when I get these programs online? I am interested in your program. Um, so if you want to tell me more about that, that would be fantastic. All right. So first and foremost, I'm just going to give you some nuggets on this, ladies and gents. The first thing I want to answer with, um, I'm not going to mention any names, but a lot of, a lot of these quote-unquote online coaches or online fitness programs or whatever it is, they take a cookie-cutter approach. Um, they're all about numbers. So I'm just going to say how it is. I'm not hating here. It's just what I've seen. There's some fantastic coaches out there and personal trainers, but unfortunately, we are a minority, right? And online, it's very easy to be deceiving. Uh, people can be really deceiving with what they put out there as well. You're not always seeing the true story. But long story short, cookie-cutter approach, one size fits all. You know, here's your calories, here's your macros, off you go. Here's your diet plan, off you go, and here's your training plan, right? It's not personalized enough, even if they say it's personalized. A lot of times it's not. They can easily just pull the wool over eyes with that. Is it really personalized, or is that the same thing they do for everyone else? And they just go bang, 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 use the your calorie calculator. There's a lot of people do this. They use the calorie calculator online, click a button, 1,500 calories, protein, fats, carbs. Here's your training program, which I give to everyone. Off you go, and let's do this right? Like that's a cookie cutter approach. That's not going to serve you long-term. And more importantly, you're not even going to get maximum results anyway from that. Obviously, if it's not personalized, that's cookie cutter versus personalized. 
So what we do, Optimize Your Body, for example, we meet people where they're at. You look at exactly where they're at, how they're eating now, how they live now with their lifestyle, with their work life, literally all the ins and outs, right? Do they have kids? What are their stress levels like? Training history, how have they trained in the past? We want to get their body to respond rapidly, right? And get maximum results as fast as possible. Uh, and more importantly, eating habits. What have they struggled with? What's causing the fall down in the past with food behaviors and losing fat, for example, in terms of nutrition? We look at all these things and then we design something which is personalized, which of course gets them results, better results than they've had ever normally, or at least for a long time within even the first 30 days of coaching, right? Um, but the more important thing then is sustainability. With that cookie cutter approach, obviously it's not going to be sustainable long-term because it's not designed for you. Um, it's just basically a one size fits all approach, right? And that's what you're going to get. And to be honest, like, you know, in a sense, I mean, I would never do this because I've got too much integrity and I care too much about what I do and actually changing lives, but, um, you get what you pay for my friend. So it's not just their fault. It's your fault as well. I'm going to be straight up. Like, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Whoever asked this question, cause I know you're listening back. <laughs> so sorry, mate. Um, but essentially it's your fault as well. Like you're trying to save money. What you got to ask yourself is how much money have you spent on online coaches and all these fitness programs, right? You probably spent thousands. Let's be honest. You've probably spent hundreds or thousands, not hundreds of thousands, but at a minimum, you spent hundreds. You probably spent over a thousand or thousands of dollars trying to cut corners and trying to save money. But the reality is you can't bargain. Um, you can't bargain your way to being in shape and being in good health. You got to invest in yourself. Right. If this is something you, this is clearly something you've struggled with for a long time because the amount of time you've tried to fix this, right? And so it's not through lack of will. You've got to invest in yourself and you can't pay peanuts, right? And expect, you know, to get, you know, in shape and get sustainable progress. It's simple as that, right? So it is your fault as well for trying to save money. So that's where you got to look at how much am I spending through trying to get these cheap programs and how much damage is it doing me, right? Because, you know, for example, with fat loss, when you lose fat and gain it back, the body gets better at storing fat. Uh, essentially it damages your metabolism every time you do it. Um, and it fucks you up psychologically. Let's be honest. Every time you lose fat and gain it back, using fat loss as an example, right? Um, so the other thing that I would say as well is, you know, what you got to look at when you, because I want to make sure people don't fall into this trap. Um, you got to look at uh, not just being another number, right? Not just being another number because you should be getting that personal touch. Like for example, with, with our clients, with my clients, you know, I connect with them on a personal level. I'm actually, they get full accessibility to me. I'm actually checking in with them, right? They're getting one-to-one -one support from me. They're getting group support with the coaching calls as well and within the community. They're getting all the accountability they need, all the structure they need. But I'm actually like building a relationship with them on a personal level, of course, right? They get that personal touch. We build a relationship. Uh, we build respect for each other. We build a client-coach relationship and we have a commitment to each other, right? And they're getting that personal connection as well, meeting like-minded people and essentially getting that inspiration and that support to help them uh, when they fall down and when life gets in the way. Because let's be honest, that's what happens. Life does get in the way at times. And that's what they've got that support there, that individualized support for um, when life does get in the way or when they get run down or sick and they can't stick to the plan. We have like methods in place to help people overcome this. And it's always about consistency over perfection. So what I would say to wrap this up for people is if you look into level up, right? Um, look out for uh, those things, right? Look out for what they're giving me. Ask yourself this question. Is this plan or whether it's a fitness fad or diet fad or whatever it is, booty building program, whatever, you know, there's millions of these fitness stuff things out there now, right? Look at the program and go, can I stick to this forever? 
forget about whatever it is, whether it's six weeks or 12 weeks, whatever. Look at, can I stick to this forever? Ask yourself that question. If the answer is no, guess what? It's not going to be ideal, right? And it's not going to work for you. Because what happens when you stop that plan? You end up going back to whole behaviors and inevitably you go backwards, right? So you got to look at what's the game plan after that 12 weeks, for example, right? Um, the other thing you want to look at as well is, um, oh, there was another thing I was going to mention as well is you got to look at like, are you actually getting personalized coaching, right? That's the thing I was going to say. Are you actually getting coaching, right? <laughs> because you buy these plans and you buy, you, you might hire an online coach, but are you actually getting coaching or are they just telling you do this? Anyone can do that. A monkey can do that, can search on Google, or maybe a monkey can't search on Google, but you get what I mean. Look online. This is what you need to do. Drink this much water. Yes, you need that teaching. You need to know what to do. You need to know what the plan is. But the coaching, come, the true coaching is actually helping people become self-sustaining ultimately and teaching uh, the person to be able to think for themselves and actually be able to solve problems themselves eventually. Obviously, you're solving problems for them and teaching them what to do and telling them what to do. But true coaching is actually teaching that person to be self-sustaining. It's not just like giving a man a fish, right? Give, give him a diet plan, tell him what to do, right? Fantastic. You've just given him a fish and fed him for a day. Coach someone, teach them how to be self-sustaining, teach them to understand how to uh, overcome the, the challenges which have held them back for years in some cases, um, help them to be automatic with what they're doing. For example, you know, what I say is for the first 12 weeks, we're just getting things moving. But the big piece is, um, you know, from months three to six, for example, we're solidifying your identity. So what we're doing then is we're actually solidifying the habits that you've picked up and the changes that you made within the first 12 weeks. And that's now becoming your identity. You're actually upgrading your identity. It's becoming part of you. Everything's starting to become automatic, right? It's like brushing your teeth. The things with nutrition that you've implemented start becoming automatic. It's no longer a thing where you're thinking about it. And that generally takes like six to nine months. Uh, and then months nine to 12, then we're really dominating because the average person stays with me, for example, for around about a year. Uh, months nine to 12, we're dominating then. We're actually literally going from strength to strength um, and uh, literally you're self-sustaining for the rest of your life then at that point, you know? That's just to give you an example anyway, but look out for those things. Are they teaching you to be self-sustaining? Are you actually getting personalized coaching and building that connection with your coach and with the community they have? Or are you just getting the plan and getting told what to do and then just being left to it, okay? So ask yourself those questions and do your research. Uh, okay, ladies and gents, I'm going to wrap up this podcast now. And yeah, before I do wrap it up as well, we are going to be taking on a few more people at Optimize Your Body Coaching for my 90-day program. So look, if you're looking to really get into the shape of your life within the next 90 days and really implement habits, you know, um, maybe that's not the right word, really actually make changes that you can stick to and you want to really get a good understanding of how to manage your nutrition and your lifestyle once and for all, right? Within the next, say, three to six months, then, and you really want to get into the shape of your life physically, because what you can look to achieve is, again, just like the client I mentioned as an example, um, you're going to drop a significant amount of body fat. So you're likely going to drop at least between, say, you know, five to, or between four to eight pounds of fat, depending on where you're at. That's not weight on the scales, my friend. That's fat. Okay, you're going to build a good few pounds of muscle as well and get physically stronger than you've ever been. Uh, and you're going to drop like at least, you know, one to two dress sizes within that 90 days. Um, 
and essentially build structure and routine, really. So we're looking for, well, at this point of recording this podcast, we're looking to take on uh, another four people who want to work, sorry, five people at this point who want to work really closely with us over the next 90 days and work closely with me essentially over the next 90 days. So just drop me a DM uh, with the word info on Instagram um, or just click in the show notes. There's a, a coaching form in the show notes. Just click the coaching form and fill out the coaching inquiry form. And uh, yeah, and then we can we can uh, see if I can actually help you and see if we'll be a good fit. Also make sure you click the, check the show notes after this get your free training and nutrition plan as well in the show notes. Just click the link in the show notes. All right. Okay. Over and out. Thanks for tuning in.